3: ended
0: As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination and godly things.
1: If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh.
0: Erin Addison's
1: On American Family Radio, thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And uh, I, I want to, man, I, I kind of want to jump right into the content that we have for today because I want to make sure... That I give Sherry B enough time to open the phone lines at the end of the show, just so that I don't have to get those mean emojis. And oh, she doesn't send mean emojis. That's a joke. <laughs> just joking. But there, I mean, we could we could get them uh, anyway. But Sherry B and Marty are on tap, uh, helping us navigate the show today, mm-hmm. and uh, we appreciate them. And so we don't want to frustrate them, and uh, we'll do our best. Uh, yesterday we were talking about accountability and the great need that we have in the church for accountability. I kind of want to do a part two of that, but not with the same name. I kind of want to do a part two that kind of veers off into asking a question. Um, should Christians change culture? Mm
4: -hmm. And this question
1: could kind of have like a, a double meaning. Like it's almost a question of what should Christians do? And it's also a question of how, how should Christians be right so it's it's a it's one question with two meanings. So the mm-hmm. question or the questions are should Christians change culture? Like should the culture be different because of Christians? Mm-hmm. But then the other question is should Christians change culture?
4: <laughs> like should
1: they do something, right? Do yeah. you do you see the difference I, yeah, there? See, so it's it's one question with two meanings mm-hmm. and and I I want to talk about this just a little bit and I want to talk about it from um the perspective of what it is to truly be um An agreement with what God says, um, to tell the truth about what God says, and then asking the question, what will it look like in a culture that is changed by Christians? Can we can we still see that? You know, and 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 so let me kind of just jump right into what I want to talk about, what I heard recently and what kind of got me thinking. Okay. So I was I was out and and I'm gonna give you just a kind of long and short of just you know, just kind of real life here. So I was out. Um, with our oldest daughter um last week mm-hmm. i want to say and uh we went to one of these hair beauty supply stores yeah and and we walk into this store and in this local store they've got um a radio station playing and the radio station is it's not one of those like pre-packaged where you walk in a store and you know it's just it's just music, you know mm-hmm. what I mean. It's mm-hmm. it's like a real like live sort of um, DJ situation where you've got two people talking and then there's music and then the two people come back and they're talking, right? It's like a like you know it's a, it's a radio station, so there are live people who are talking. And I have been told to go to this store to get a product that is at this store, and so I'm there and I'm kind of like just walking around. I don't know uh, how to find it, right. but I can hear the conversation that's happening and. I kind of pick up in the middle of it because we walk in and the conversation is already going, mm-hmm. but there's light music kind of playing in the background. And the conversation is between a man and a woman. And this man and this woman are, oh, which, by the way, let me give a disclaimer. I should have thought of this before. We are going to be talking about um, how we can affect culture. We as Christians, specifically, we're, we're going to be talking about what it is to be pro-life. and And so we're going to, we're going to, talk about abortion um by extension of talking about what it is to be pro-life and 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 so i i just want to give people an opportunity to make a decision about how comfortable they are which if can i just tell you um part of the case i'm going to make today is that there are conversations that we need to have with our kids um that we probably are not having with them right now Mm -hmm. and we exist in a culture that's taking advantage of that and so I'm going to make that case as well. But I, I I do want to be respectful, and I I want to, um, I want to care about some of our um, moms who maybe listen with really younger kids, and and maybe you haven't broached the topic yet. So so anyways, so here here we are. We're in this store, and the conversation is going back and forth between this man and this woman, and they sound pretty young. And here I am, uh, about to show my age. They sound pretty hip, pretty young and pretty hip. And um. <laughs> And and the music is going and it's mm-hmm. got this great, like, kind of like, you know, the like like the conversation is moving feel behind it. You know, it's like yeah. you know, it's just going, <laughs> right? But the conversation that they're having is unbelievable. Mm. And I don't know who they're talking about. I don't know if it's a current story. Based on what they were saying, I I I recalled uh some Um, news stories from a couple years ago that could have been the topic of their conversation. I hadn't heard of anyone currently saying this, but basically they were talking about an actress who was talking about the fact that her having um, killed her baby, her having had an abortion had afforded for her the opportunity to do things that she never would have been able to do. Mm-hmm. And so this young woman is making this case and, and she's like, I am just so excited that women are finally at the place where, mm. you know, we can just have these conversations and we can say that we are in charge of our bodies. And, and she's saying all of this stuff. And and then she says, and, and, and this is the thing that kind of grabbed me uh, to say nothing of, the, the young man who was talking with her, mm-hmm. but she said, and I just hope that, you know, this is a turning point that, you know, um, as our young girls are watching and, and listening in on these conversations, that they themselves will learn, you know, where their power is and how wow. they too can.
0: Wow. So and was, I'm in there with so my soon to be 15 year old. I was going to ask, so was this conversation heard by all?
1: It was heard all throughout the store. Wow, but now so <laughs> here's the thing though, and here's what I was grateful for mm-hmm. here's what I was grateful for here's the thing. this was not a new conversation right. for our daughter right see yeah. in <laughs> fact this <laughs> argument uh-huh. was an argument that we presented to them now this is this is what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. Should Christians change culture? yeah, absolutely yes, but they can only change culture in as much as they themselves are changed that's right. If you are like the culture that you live in, you will do nothing, right? You've got to be other from the culture that you exist in in order to be able to change. It. I mean, this is just common sense, right? So here's what I was thinking about as I had been processing this for a while, you know, just kind of this. And I was I was really angry, okay? I was angry because I was thinking, mm, this is the kind of programming that makes its way into the ears of our young people mm. because it's surrounded by the type of music that they're listening to today. Uh,
0: it's a whole atmosphere. Do you understand whole, what I'm saying? And so yeah, it creates this like feel this of whole, like, yeah, vibe that you know, it's fun. And, and it's,
1: it's current to right. be talking about killing your baby. And like, you know, oh, it's, it's just, man. it's, and I was like, Oh, <laughs> and so I really was so like, I was, I was really upset by that. But then, you know, the more I think about it, the more I'm convinced That part of the problem is not, part of the problem is not only the culture, right? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Part of the problem is the Christian. Yeah. And part of the problem of the Christian is that we are unwilling to go full speed leading with what God says in his word. Mm -hmm. So we think that our kids are not being targeted. We think that they are sort of like, you know, just the kind of just innocent bystanders that they're not going after kids. We, we have this picture of like in our minds, we almost think, you know what, that conversation is probably already for the ungodly. Hmm. That's the only one who's leaning in and feeling you know, great about that. No, actually, that's a discipleship conversation.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's
1: a discipleship. That conversation right there is training the young girl who's a part of your youth group on Wednesday nights. To think differently about, quote, unquote, her body and her bodily autonomy and what opportunities that she will have if she ever finds herself in a situation that she didn't really want to be in. Yeah. It is discipling in that moment.
0: And really, at this point, I I don't see how we as Christian parents can even think that it's not targeting, (laughs) you know, the the Christian. Right. Like, because it's so it's so uh, obvious now yes. like things are not hidden it's like shout this out like yes pro- like and and it's it's something that like you said that whole vibe around it you know it's, it's cool it's fun then they're not just they're targeting your child as well it's not just for those who are outside of your home that's those who don't right know. you know I, I don't man that seemed but like that but you know? we have
1: deceived ourselves though will the great mm. we have deceived ourselves into thinking that that's a conversation that won't come nigh our dwelling mm. so I'm going to tell you what the Addison's did Now, listen, when we we look at cultural issues and we take those cultural issues and then we filter that through a biblical lens, that's our angle. That's that's what we do. That's 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 the whole reason that we do this show. Right. To talk about how do we live as Christians in the time that the Lord has planted us in. Right. So when we have a situation like this now, what I was looking back on was a couple years ago. um, You'll remember now I don't have michelle williams's clip i actually have a different clip this clip uh, and we'll just we'll still just kind of decide if we need to play it if we can make the case without the <laughs> clip then uh so be it then we won't worry about it so much but if we if we need to play it then 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 we'll play it okay because it's anyway um a couple years ago a couple years ago um michelle williams the actress from the movie now I'm going to call... She's been in many different movies. And in fact, two years ago when she won a Golden Globe, it wasn't for the movie that I'm going to name. But I'm going to tell you why I'm naming this particular movie. Because this movie was the movie that I needed to use to present this um, situation to our big three. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Michelle Williams uh, was an actress in the movie The Greatest Showman. And one of our kids in particular loves musicals. Mm-hmm. So there were aspects of that movie that she just thought, oh, this was incredible. It was part history, part fiction, there's part music and all of these things. And so as our kids have gotten older with, with great um, like guardrails on, we've allowed them to make some decisions about what they enjoy. I mean, we're trying to teach them how to live. Right. Yeah. And they they're going to have to learn how to make decisions. So prayerfully we do this and so this was one of those situations where someone had said to us the greatest showman is a great movie uh you would enjoy it your big three would enjoy it and so we watched it and i was intrigued by the movie but there was one kid that it really was just like whoa it just yeah. all of these things you know <laughs> yeah and so then so then um a while later um michelle williams comes out she's accepting a golden globe and as she's accepting the golden globe she's talking about the life that she has been able to create for herself because she aborted her baby hmm. so i'm going to i don't have the clip of michelle williams in fact I, I i wish i did but let me let me read to you some of her acceptance speeches this is from 2020 but i'm i'm building all of this to make a case for how we as christians can change culture we we can affect culture right you know that our argument is that we start doing that right inside our homes. We start doing that with our children, right? Mm-hmm. But this is what she said as she was accepting her uh, Golden Globe. This is in 2020.
0: I think I she, might actually have that clip.
1: Because we've played it before. I so think if
0: we, I think if we, we have it, 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 if you
1: find it and, and, and we can play it, it'd be so much more effective to be able to play it. Um, if not, I'm just going to start reading
2: her quote here.
0: Okay. I, you want me to play it? If you have it. All right.
2: I'm grateful for the acknowledgement of the choices I've made and I'm also grateful to have lived at a moment in our society where choice exists because as women and as girls things can happen to our bodies that are not our choice. I've tried my very best to live a life of my own making, and not just a series of events that happened to me, but one that I had carved with my own hand, and I wouldn't have been able to do this without employing a woman's right to choose, to choose when to have my children and with whom, when I felt supported and able to balance our lives knowing, as all mothers know, that the scales must and will tip towards our children. Now, I know my choices might look different than yours, but thank God or whomever you pray to that we live in a country founded on the principle that I am free to live by my faith and you are free to live by yours. So women, 18 to 118, when it is time to vote, please do so in your own self-interest. It's what men have been doing for years.
1: So what we did was sh- we showed that clip to our big three. And we had a conversation with them around this actress's acceptance speech. Yeah. On the other side of the break, we're going to talk a little bit more about that and talk more about what we as Christians must do if we expect to be salt and light. As we are commanded to be. We are supposed to be salt and light. All right. This is Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll take a break and we'll be right back.
2: In my brokenness, you are close to me. In my
1: weakness, in my strength. You are
2: high and lifted up. You sit high up on the throne. the throne. You are God. You are God got alone
1: Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. Um you man, you know, it just should Christians change culture? Yes, they absolutely Our Our friends, Ryan and Bethany Bomberger says they say that Christians are supposed to uh, shift culture mm-hmm. and and that's their call. That's their call to shift culture. Like, but in order for that to happen, right, like there's got to be something that's different about us. Like when, when we talk about um, the depravity of man and we talk about where we are as a society, as a, as a, as a, as a group of people, yeah. Man, the Christian has to take a step back and ask the tough question, where have we failed? Mm-hmm. You know, where have we not um, been the type of change agents that have been normative in the history of the church? And that's what we're discussing today. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. I'm Miki.
0: And I'm Will, and that was God Alone by Darius James.
1: Sherry B. and Marty helping us out today, and we appreciate it, and I I. I will get around to taking some calls um, and, and we can just kind of double up a conversation from yesterday and today, talking about accountability and discipleship. Before we went to the break, I was, um, Will the Great was playing the clip from Michelle Williams, um, the actress who um, I guess made a name for herself from the Dawson's Creek series. Um, I guess it was in the 90s. Dawson's Creek wow. was it in the 90s, or early I 2000s. So. I guess, <laughs> I, I don't know. 90s. Um, 90s. Wow. But we used it as a lesson for our children because they were familiar with her from the movie, the greatest showman. Mm -hmm. And when we showed this acceptance speech to our big three, to our older three kids and um, had a conversation around it, it, it allowed for them to have the opportunity to grieve over this loss that this woman was unwilling to grieve over. Mm -hmm. Now, why is that important? Because I'm not going to wait for our kids to be presented with a cultural argument to then go back and try to extract it. Yeah. Yeah. What I'm going to spend my time doing is writing the truth of God's word on the tablet of our kids hearts. What I'm going to spend my time doing is making sure to affirm what God has naturally written on their hearts and Amen. on their minds, right? That a life is a life is a life and when you snuff it out it is murder. It doesn't matter what the culture calls it. Do you know this? Listen, if if um if if a kid is outside, okay? A kid 5 or 6 years old is outside and a kid Uh, happens upon like a roly-poly or like you know Mm -hmm. like a little inchworm or something like that and Mm -hmm. and they're playing with it you know how kids are and and sometimes they can get a little rough Mm -hmm. and you're like (laughs) it's not a dog you know what i mean like you can't and then and then all of a sudden they're too rough Mm. and what happens to the little Mm. (laughs) roly-poly do you know that they don't come up to you and say oh man i aborted it (laughs) no they say i killed it Mm. it's dead because they know what life is and they know the absence of life. But what we have done is we have allowed for a culture to give us these, these terms that we use that kind of like obscure what has actually happened. Right. So, so when we leave our kids to the training of the culture, what you do is you allow for those kids to get new words, new terms, right. And things like body bodily autonomy. So what they're really saying is that we are autonomous, that we operate, over and against God's commands, we God's not the boss of us. Basically, is what they're saying, right? I, I do what I want, right. is what they're saying, right? And so when you have all of these things, and and even the most recent, <laughs> which is is amazing to me, reproductive justice. Wait, I'm sorry, what? So <laughs> so um, y'all, I'm gonna say this is a joke, but it's kind of there's a hint of truth to it. Okay, it's sort of like organic. People will eat anything as long as it says organic. So like, you know, sandwich cookies, (laughs) but they're organic. It's like, dude, but it's still like, it's like organic Mm. Oreos. Like, I mean, they're 60. So, you know, they're not right. But, but as long as you, it's like, it makes people feel better. Right. Because you can put organic on it. Same thing with justice. Mm. If you put justice on anything, people feel like they really matter. Right. They feel like I'm really making a difference because it's like connected to justice. So you've got like climate justice and you've got like reproductive justice. Social, OK, economic social, social justice, social justice <laughs> and all. And, and so, look, don't be duped by these things. Right. Because when when people are talking about reproductive justice, like justice for whom? <laughs> justice for whom? Because, you know, what is just, you know, what is right is for the person who has life for that life to continue on to this natural end. Mm. That's justice. That's that's actually good. That's just. That's that's right. That's true. But we allow the culture to give us these new terms and these new words. And not only are they giving us these new terms and these new words and redefining them, but they're also discipling us along with how to use them, when to use them, the right tone to use them in. And let me just harken back to the Ill- the, the little anecdote that I started with, uh communicating this experience that I had with my daughter recently. Um. Please know that the young man that was talking to this woman as she was talking about how this is the moment for women and young girls to understand that they can be empowered and that they don't have to be ashamed and, and they can talk about their choices openly and proudly. Please know that this young man has been so thoroughly trained that all he could do in a culture that we live in now, the type of culture we live in now, the only thing he could do was yes. Oh, and, and, and yeah, and I'm just I'm, I'm so proud that women and girls mm-hmm. are finding their strength and are finding their power. Can you imagine?
0: It's indoctrination.
1: He, come on, man.
0: It's indoctrination.
1: <laughs> like, he he couldn't even dare to say, well, I mean, what about, you know, like, the man? Like, what if, you know, what about... What, what about the man?
0: That's what she would have said. What about the man? Because you heard uh, what this and co- Michelle Williams said. Come on. Men has been, have been doing this for, yep. uh, you know, all their lives, having personal autonomy and, you know, yeah.
1: Doing what's best for them. (laughs) So here's Mm. my point. My point is this. Christians, in fact, have changed culture. Throughout the history of the establishment of the church and the spread of Christianity, Christians have changed culture. Unfortunately, where Christians begin to slow down or in some way hmm, atrophy, is when Christians are comfortable, Mm -hmm. when there is, you know, there's no push and there's no tension, which is why parents of younger kids Mm -hmm. tend to be more active than you might imagine, because they realize that man, you know, the, the future of their kids and their acceptance of the gospel that they're trying to pass down to their kids, they realize that that is at stake. And they realize that, you know, I am, I understand firmly and I'm convinced about what I believe. But at the same time, they have great concern for their kids. They're trying to write on their tablets. Right. They're trying to teach them the truth. But they realize that they live in a culture where that is being attacked. So here is what I am saying. What I'm saying is we can no longer wait and keep pushing this aside, pushing this aside. We've got to begin to find age appropriate ways to tell the truth about the word of God. So we've got to talk to our kids about the importance of life. We've got to talk to our kids about the worth and the value of life. Listen, you can teach a young kid, even as young as three, four, five, to be pro-life before you even talk about why they need to be pro-life. Right. So if you teach a kid. That the Lord God is the giver of life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: If you show a kid in Scripture that the Lord has woven one together in one's mom's womb, right? You teach that even in the unseen places the Lord sees. You start at a very early age talking to a kid. But hey, do, do you do you ever stop and think for a second that God chose your nose? <laughs> do you do you ever stop and think for a second? That God chose your eyes, mm. the slant of your eyes, the shape of your eyebrows, the contour of your cheeks, the outline of your lips. Do you ever stop and think for a second that you did not choose that, but the sovereign creator knit you together fearfully and wonderfully in great complexity? Are you woven together? Mm. Do you ever stop and think about that? Look, when you do that. You start a kid thinking about the humanity that grows in the tummy of a mommy. Mm -hmm. Guys, we can do this. We must do this because we have a culture that anticipates that we won't.
0: Right. Right.
1: So they can dehumanize people. (laughs) They can dehumanize people. They can refer to people as a choice. Right. They can refer to people as, you know, an option for, you know, justice or not. So we've got to take a different posture. We've got to take a different position. And I want to say this and I, I and I want to talk about, you know, this is this is something that um man, and and I I want to be very careful because I I understand um you know that we have certain times of the year that we talk about a lot of things, but if I if I could weave this into the larger encouragement, the larger encouragement would be that even when we're not talking about things like preborn when we're not talking about the sanctity of human life month the aim is that ongoingly even if you're not hearing these things on air that in your homes you are taking regular opportunities to teach your kids the truth about life mm-hmm. where life begins and why life is precious i have i have said before i started saying this and and i you know as is sometimes the case I don't think about what may be some of the pushback. But let me say something. I have, and this is not, this is not a slam to people who make this case. It is just not the case um, I would make because it's not consistent with what the Lord presents as the value of life. Not once in scripture do you read um, that the Lord has put a value on life based on who the person will become.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Based on what the person will do, right? And I have I have heard for years and years and years and years, and and I understand the attempt at the impact of the statement. You know, when people say things like "Congratulations, you just aborted this person," and it's some super successful person, you know, like those things. I mm-hmm. I understand that, but it's it almost sort of leaves the person feeling like if that person is not that that,
2: mm-hmm.
1: then it would have been okay. And they're
0: worth it. It worth having been killed. Then it, it would
1: have been, you know, no no yeah. big deal. Yeah. And say, this person could have been this, and you don't know how many, you know, I've heard people say, we don't know how many scientists we have aborted. They could have found the cure to cancer. And and so then we we tie up <laughs> their importance and their value and what they may have done. But that's mm-hmm. not at all what God does. Right. God says that our worth and our value is directly connected to how we are made. And that is in his image. We are made in his image. In fact, you see that when the Lord is reestablishing his covenant, when the, when the Lord is um, giving Noah his directions on how the, the earth is to be repopulated, how the earth is to be filled, the Lord says very, very clearly that if a man sheds another man's blood, his life is to be demanded of him. Why? Because man is made in the image of God.
0: Right. And even that so, itself, when you talked about justice, that's just.
1: That's just. You know? That's just. That's just. So, you know, um, <laughs> even as you, you think about how, um, and you, you want your kids to have a biblical worldview. And sometimes the culture will, and I say the culture as if you can personify it. It's made up of people. I understand that. Um, But there is a collective cultural voice, guys. Let's let's not ignore that. There is a a collective cultural voice that pushes in Mm -hmm. on the believer. Even as those things are happening all around us, there is a way for us to fortify our young people, to fortify our children. There's a young there's a way for us uh, who are not so young to be fortified as well. And that is being anchored and rooted in the word of God. Remember, As we say, when we talk about these issues, a biblical worldview is not the belief that the Bible is good and right and true. I mean, that's that's great. Right. A biblical worldview, however, is the living of what is good and right and true. In in every way Mm. and in every arena, it is telling the truth, even when it's uncomfortable, when you've got that dramatic pause, you know, when people are like, I don't agree with that. Look, i've I've been in I've been in um in settings, guys. I'll just tell you, even even just a few months ago, Will the Great will tell you, and I walk away going, Ah, should I have said well, ah, Should have Should I have just kind of pulled back a little bit? I just,
2: can't.
1: <laughs> I mean, I could. It's not that I don't have self control. I, I I do, and I could, but I just feel like, man, you know, if you're in a situation where somebody is saying something, and 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 you know it's untrue. And, and you know that it's, it's potentially destructive if unchecked. Why keep, why, why would you keep quiet about that? Yeah. Why would, why would you say nothing? So in our country, we have normalized the shedding of innocent blood. We, we don't even think about like, you know, um, even <laughs> like for the Lord to say to Cain, that the blood of your brother cries out to me from the ground. Like, wait, <laughs> um, the blood of your brother mm-hmm. cries out to me from the ground.
0: And even in other parts, it, I, I, I think it was Isaiah, where it talks about the land being defiled because Come of the, the blood that had been shed. Like it does something to the land. Like I, I, I think we think when we read that, oh, that's biblical times. No, that still applies today. Mm. Innocent blood, like, it does something to the very environment, the land. You know, why is why is the earth, you know, the, uh, groaning? You know what I'm saying? Why are yes. these things happening? Why yes. do we see, even in some of the conditions, Come why on. are they like they are? I why
1: think, the increase in violence? Yeah.
0: This is all connected. It's spiritual. They're, these are things that are real, but we don't like to uh, make that connection.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Listen, I'm, I'm telling you. When we talk about changing culture, guys, we have to be engaged in all the ways that we can be engaged. But this is not going to be something that our elected officials do.
0: Come on. This come is going to
1: be something that we do. Man,
0: it's going to start in yes. our
1: homes. We, we, If we're going to create a culture of life, we should not be looking outside of our homes for that culture to begin. Right. It should start inside our homes. This culture of life. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll take the break and we'll be right back.
2: You go before I know That you've even gone to win my war Your love becomes my greatest defense It leads me from the dry wilderness And all I did was pray
1: I'm open the phone lines, 888 589 8840. Should Christians change culture?
4: Should
1: Should Christians change culture? 888 589 8840. Welcome back to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. I'm Miki.
0: And I'm Will, and that's Francesca Battistelli, Defender.
1: You can also comment on yesterday's program because we didn't have a lot of time to get around to phone calls at all, and I apologize for that. Um, the question was about accountability, and for the glory of God, we need accountability as the phone calls are getting queued up right now mm-hmm. let me just remind you that the culture man again personifying it <laughs> um those who comprise the dominant culture have you okay look when people talk about <laughs> dominant culture you know they're talking about um hues and they're talking about mm-hmm. shades and skin that's not listen that's not what we talk about when we talk about dominant culture we talk about minority culture we're not we're, we're not no we're we're talking about those who um do not fear god
2: mm.
1: that's the dominant culture <laughs> guys yeah. i'm sorry no, i don't right. i it just right. that's what it is guys that's what it is like don't let's 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 not try to make nice with these people when we talk about the dominant culture if somebody ever walks up to you and they think they're sounding super woke and super <laughs> cool justice like and they're like you know because when you're among the dominant culture you just jump in and be like aren't you vexed you grown because they're so wicked right and they're going to think that you're talking about the same thing. And then you hit them with the little switcheroo. You're like, but you know what? The gospel will save those people. Amen. I'm like, what dominant culture are you talking about? Wait, what dominant culture are you talking about? Hmm. I'm talking about the dominant culture that are on the wide path that a lot of people find. That's the Bible describes the dominant culture. Yeah. It's, it's the lot of people. Uh, that's probably not. grammatically correct, <laughs> But it's the lot of people who are headed to destruction. That's the dominant culture. Wherever you are, in any culture, in any society that you're in, the dominant culture is the culture that lives in rebellion against God. It's always a lot of them. <laughs> D-E-M. A lot of them. That's <laughs> in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. It's always a lot of them. Right? <laughs> but few find this narrow road that leads to salvation. Few find this. So that's, that's going to be the minority culture. Mm-hmm. That's you. That's me. Those who have a biblical worldview who are living it out. That's you. That's me. That's a small portion of the people that we dwell among. Mm. And that's just a fact. The Bible says this to be true. Before we go to the phone lines, I want to say this. The dominant culture has what seems to be unlimited resources in encouraging women to take the lives of their babies. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Celebrating it. <laughs> normalizing it. Mm-hmm. Finding cute ways, so to speak, excuse that expression, to market it to young children, to normalize this conversation among children in the affirmative, that it's good to, you know, for women to have control over their own bodies and all of these things. But here we are. I, I think for the people of God, when we have opportunities to advance the work wherever we are, the ministry of wherever we are, of saving life and celebrating life and honoring God. And saying, God, we agree with you that life is sacred, that it should be protected, that it has inherent value. And it's not connected to what the person will do or who the person will become or where the person will live or the type of bank account that the person will have. Because the person sleeping on the park bench and the person living in the White House has the same value to God because they are made in the image of God. We Christians should be leading that charge. What should happen is among believers, people should say, you know what, we actually we have all we need. We, We were able to build another ultrasound unit. Thank you so much. Why not? Why should, why, why should the people of God not be restrained from giving and say, hey, guys, we got everything. It's good. Stop. That's enough. As it is, we constantly are on the end where we're like, hey, can, can, we, can, we, can we put a unit in a place where a mom, you know, where moms who are underserved can come in and see their babies on ultrasound? Because when they see their babies, 80% of them choose life. Wow. But, but, but somehow we just got, well, somebody else might do that. But we live, you know, the dominant culture doesn't feel that way. That's what I'm gonna start calling them, y'all. Y'all just I'm gonna start calling them a dominant culture. That's what they are. That's what they are. I've been telling y'all for a long time. We're trying to raise our kids. We are trying to raise our kids to be minorities in a culture. All the time we're telling them, hey, you're different. You're unlike the you're unlike a lot of people in the culture. Come on. So this is this is what we're talking when we talk, y'all can have it. That's for free. Y'all can start (laughs) start telling. Start telling other people the dominant culture. is not what you think it is.
0: Man, it's, or it's, actually it should be what look, you think it is, it's equivalent right? to how Daniel and his, his friends had to grow up in, in Babylon.
1: Yes, exactly right. The dominant right.
0: culture was wicked, but they held fast to their beliefs and their faith. And so we, it, it can be done. It, it can, can be, be done. done so. It must be done. Amen.
1: Let me say this. You guys know that right now we are in the midst of asking you to help us um, provide ultrasounds, free ultrasounds for women who are abortion-minded, who are thinking about taking the lives of their babies and they feel like they're at a point of crisis. We, the church, we, the body of Christ, have an opportunity to respond to that. You can go to AFR.net, AFR.net. $28 provides one ultrasound. $140 provides five free ultrasound sessions, reaching women, 80% of those women who see their babies, who have the lies uncovered, And they are told the truth that this is a human life made in the image of God. They choose life. AFR.net, you can be a part of this. Or you can call 877-616-2396. 877-616-2396. We're going to go to the phone lines here. I just want to say one other thing. Part of changing culture is not only that we set up opportunities for women to have free ultrasounds, but it is also that we disciple our children and that we train them in the truth of the word of God. So when they crash up against the culture, they're ready to go. They're ready to go. When they fall in the midst of the dominant culture, you want them to already have purposed in their heart, what their response will be and that it will be a biblical one. All right. To the phone lines. We go. Will the great. Where do we go first?
0: All right, let's go to Timothy in Texas. Hi, Timothy.
3: Hey, thank you. For taking my call, mm-hmm. God bless y'all. You are on target, and I'm so blessed to hear you guys. My name's Tamanti, by the way. That's all right. Oh, uh, Tamanti. Oh, she
0: put that in. I'm sorry, I got it wrong. That's all Tamonte. right.
3: That's all right. I did 25 years in the army. Took them three years to, to believe me. <laughs> uh, that was my bad. No joke. Hey, um I, I am so so pro radical life. It's incredible. My wife knows. We started doing foster care in 1990. We've got three bios and we've adopted three kids. Mm. And when I, and and I just retired from the army a a decade ago, 12 years ago, started doing prison ministry. And when I talk to people, I go, listen, I write a number on the board 97%. Mm. What is it? And everybody guesses it's 97% of Americans are going to have sex before marriage. Mm. Then I write 91%. And I go, what is it? And they guess. And I say, it's 91% of Americans are going to go to public indoctrination school. Mm. Guess what? That's what you're saying so much. I love what you just said a second ago. I tell my kids, you are a minority. Mm. 54% of abortions are by Christians. Come on. The problem wow. is in the church. Yeah. It's the church. And that's what grieves my heart so mm. much is, is I'm trying to fight for the sanctity of the unborn. You've heard of that, I'm sure, all over mm-hmm. the country. But Texas mm-hmm. is really pushing it you can't get nobody. I've come back from overseas 12 years ago. 12 years I've been trying to get one person in the church to go with me to the Right to Life march and mm. pick a city, any mm-hmm. city. And people don't want to do it. They're so mm-hmm. scared in the church, and the body of Christ, the family. And so your voice is so huge. It's it, it just mind-boggling. But But the problem, as you said, it's the the secular culture versus the Christian lifestyle, because we shouldn't mm. have a culture. We got a lifestyle. Mm, that's good. We're waking up in the morning and saying, hey, I'm serving Christ. That's my mm-hmm. father, not my will, but thy will. Like you said, mm. oh, my gosh, you are honest. So Daniel and Shadrach, I tell my kids, guess what? Listen, you see that over there? And the, we'll be driving by, you'll see a little island in the water. I said, that's an island. And they go, yeah, that's an island. I said, that's what you are. you are an island you are surrounded by not the water but the culture and they are going to make you they are going to beg you to capitulate to quit and Mm -hmm. and come in to the water
2: Mm. and i'm telling you
3: it's going to hammer you left and right but in when you know that you i love i love the woman who touched the hymn when you know you touched christ you got to be able to stand
1: Amen. 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 Oh, Tamanti, thank you so much for calling in and thank you so much for your encouragement. Man, it's hard for us to hear it, isn't it? It's hard for us (laughs) to hear that in the church, we sort of are not kind of like all in. You know, mm-hmm. we we've been kind of made a little bit meek and a little bit timid by the world. And it's not the kind of meekness that is strength under weakness or under pressure. Right. Like it's it's not that it's fear, really. Yeah. And and the Bible says very straightforwardly that we have not been given a spirit of fear. Mm. Right. Unfortunately, we haven't really embraced that. Like yeah. we can we can be made afraid quite easily. <laughs> yeah. Um, Will the Great. Where do we go next?
0: All right. Let's go to Kevin in Arkansas. Hi, Kevin.
3: Greetings and blessings, and and attaboy to you, Will, for mentioning the artists' names when you come back from break. I appreciate that, not that I'd ever remember them, but uh, (laughs) my my comment is uh, my dad always would ask me, uh, does the end justify the means? He never did answer that question, and it took me years to figure it out after I left home. But this uh, lady that you're talking about who justified uh, her success by having her abortion, mm-hmm. does that really justify it? And I'll uh, <laughs> turn my captions back on and listen.
1: Yeah, absolutely not. Right. Ab- absolutely not. There, There is no justification for selfishness. It doesn't matter how you repaint it. You know you know what I mean? It doesn't matter how you sort of like airbrush around the edges. What we heard in the Michelle Williams clip, by the way, if you didn't get to hear it, you can look it up. It's it's from a couple of years ago, her talking about how um, her winning this globe, this golden globe was an acknowledgement of all of the choices that she's made because all of the choices she's made have allowed her to live the life that she's lived and to pursue her dreams and to make the the life of her own choosing, to carve it out with her own hands. And so, no, what she's saying is that, <laughs> I was able to be selfish. Right. I was able to think about what I, what I want and what I don't want. And, and so, and so it's allowed me to get here and it's, it's amazing though, but you know, it should have been a cringe worthy moment. It wasn't people it was were applauding, applauding and, oh, and wiping tears from their eyes. You don't know who's acting cause it's a room of actors, but,
0: <laughs> right. but
1: it should have been a cringe worthy yeah. moment because she's saying, Hey, you giving me this globe. You're saying add a girl for killing your baby mm. Add a girl. We applaud you. That's what she said. They're saying, And, and nobody was weirded out by that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a problem. Well, great. Where do we go next?
0: All right. Let's go to Gary in Arkansas. Hi, Gary. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, Yeah, go ahead.
4: Yeah. I was just going to say, we have to be salt and light in the culture, Mm -hmm. you know, and then we have to, uh, you know, I've been in a lot of, uh, marches and back in the day, we didn't hold those for sound. So we used the little models and you could see the change in the, in the young ladies' eyes when they saw those uh, little models as babies because they were really life like, uh, mm. almost like tissue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now we, we do have the ultrasound. So we, you know, I think we do have in the younger generation, I'm pretty sure that uh, the last polls I saw, we had over 50% that are pro life now. Yes. And so I think we were going in the right direction. We have to pray the hearts are changed. But then that practical element is to be able to have things like ultrasounds and those models to also uh, capture the minds of those uh, ladies, young ladies and offer them help and uh, show our sympathy as the church.
1: That's right. Oh, and I'm I'm so glad you said that, Gary, because that's one of the things that I think is so important. It's so vital in the church that we recognize that we have to tell the truth with compassion. We tell the truth with love, with compassion, love and compassion do not obscure the truth. Right. So so Christians think that there's some sort of like, oh, man, well, there's a dichotomy here. We don't know. Either we're going to tell them the truth or we're going to love them. No, you love them and you tell the truth and you do that with compassion. You do that with humility. Right. Like if you really understand what it is to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, it is to understand that you are unworthy. It is only because of Jesus Christ that you stand before God justified. When we keep that in mind, we are able to, with love and compassion, tell people the truth of God's wonderful grace, his grace that he forgives, yeah. and that he, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, will cover over our sin. And this is an amazing opportunity that we have that we we are overlooking and we are missing. Let me say one other thing, and I'll try to squeeze in one more call. To our brother Gary's point, I really think that the dominant culture has overplayed its hand in the the shout your abortion and the celebrate your abortion. I I think that you make a great point here because we do have a younger generation that's kind of like, wait a minute, kind of a little bit weirded out Mm. that people are celebrating murdering babies. And this is a moment. This is a moment for the people of God to really lean into that and to say, yeah, that's that's what they're talking about when they talk about reproductive justice. Yeah. They're talking about little people made in the image of God. Let's try to squeeze in one more call. 30 seconds. Will the Great. Where do we go?
0: Michelle in North Carolina. Hi, Michelle.
1: Go. Hi.
0: Go ahead.
2: Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. I cannot believe I'm actually talking to you guys. I love y'all so much. Um, I thank you so much for this ministry that you have.
1: Um, all the things that you are teaching people, um, everything that you're talking about today is so near and dear to my heart. My husband's a pastor, and I've mm. worked in crisis pregnancy uh, care centers before as a counselor. And, um, you know, we're we're parents. We have three children. We have six grandchildren. We're foster parents. So all oh, wow. the things about helping our young people to understand the truth is... Michelle, so, I'm going to have to jump in. Yeah. I'm sorry. She said, yep, go. I know how you do, Miki. (laughs) Thank you, Michelle. Kudos to you and your family. Until tomorrow, Lord willing.
0: God bless.